Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're back here live at the State Fair. I want to remind people to visit our booth, have a photo taken at the Securian Financial Photo Booth. It's right over there. Capture every moment live here at the State Fair. All right, our guest today has breaking news. How often, Mark, do we have you on with breaking news? He's looking at me saying, what's he talking about? Uh, you announced sometime, our guest is Mark Coyle, the athletic director of the University of Minnesota. You announced a special gopher football ticket promotion. I had not seen an update on it. You've got some good news. Yeah, we, uh, we did a flash sale, a 24-hour flash sale, and we actually sold it out uh, of the flash sale tickets. The $10 tickets sold over 7000 so it was really exciting. And look for a great crowd on Thursday night. Okay, Sydney, Sid, you're up. Where do you stand financially on your facilities now? Yeah, on the fundraising for our facilities, as you know, we opened up Athletes Village about a year and a half ago, and that that facility, Sid, has transformed our program, and we've raised over $135 million towards our goal of 166 uh, with that, so our, our Golden Gopher Fund people do a wonderful job raising money. We're getting great support from our fans across the state and across the country, and we continue to actually fundraise along with Athletes Village. We're going to open up a new volleyball performance center this week. Uh, we have an opening later in the week that will impact our volleyball program, so a lot of really good things going on. Have any plans for any future facility? You just built that soccer that uh uh yeah yeah we just opened up a golf facility uh you know with new facilities uh max and i were just talking about how uh <laughs> I coaches what uh, you need yeah coaches uh always see something else that they need out there so there, there's always conversations <laughs> about new facilities and and uh you know what we learned a long time ago i've been very blessed to work in the sec to work in the acc and now in the big 10 and uh your facility growth and other stops you always need those facilities to create the wow factor to attack to attract the top kids to come to your program you were just talking about the volleyball program, too. The, the way it grew organically in terms of the crowds. They, they've had a good volleyball team for a lot of years here. Mike Heber, of course, and, and now Hugh. Uh, but you've air-conditioned it, and this fall you anticipate what based on what you've seen. And is that the program that you really have to market the least? Because for whatever reason, this thing has just come together. Yeah, you know, our, our volleyball coach, you know, first off, you know, Coach McCutcheon, you know, might be the best volleyball coach in the world. I mean, he's got a gold medal, silver medal. Uh, you know, we recruit, obviously, in-state kids and across the country. We're preseason ranked number third in the country right now. We open up uh, this upcoming week down in North Carolina against North Carolina, Florida State. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, Hugh, I spend a lot of time with Hugh and Coach McCutcheon, and what he talks about all the time is about doing it right matters in Minnesota. And if you look at that program, they've done everything right, you know on the court, competing at a high level, academically, socially, and there's a reason why people want to be a part of that program. Uh, you know, tickets are hard to get. Uh, we encourage you to come down and watch us play. Uh, if you go to the University of Minnesota booth here at the State Fair, we have some tickets available for an upcoming game. Uh, but it's a great atmosphere. They scout the tickets outside the venue, so it's, it's really fun to be a part of. Mark, a question and a comment. First of all, why an 8 o'clock start, which seems like an odd starting time on Thursday night. And second, tell our listeners about the circuitous circuitous. Tr- the round trip 
uh, difficult trip you took to be with, <laughs> be with us here this morning. Yeah, well, well, first off, you know, kickoff time, obviously uh, being a part of the Big Ten, uh, you know, our rights are assigned to the Big Ten Conference, and with our television partners, Fox Sports 1 picked up this game, so they dictate our kickoff time, and, and 8 o'clock is a later start. If you remember, Dave, I spent four years at the AD at Boise State, and I don't think we had one kickoff before 8.30 Mountain Time. Uh, so 8 o'clock actually sounds early for me. Uh, and then uh, my travels, I, I had a chance. I was uh, down in Kentucky. Uh, my wife, Chris, and I were down in Kentucky. Uh, Mitch Barnhart, who's the athletic director down at the University of Kentucky, uh, you know, I had a chance to work with him for seven years. Uh, they had a surprise birthday party for him last night. So uh, Chris and I flew down on Friday. We did the surprise birthday party last night. We drove up to Cincinnati because I promised Mike that I would be here today. Uh, we got to bed about 11 o'clock. At about midnight, a fire alarm went off. So we had to get out of the room and stand outside with the fire trucks and the police, get back to bed about 1 o'clock, 1.30, and at 4.15 we got our wake-up call uh, to wake up and to get here. So I'm on about two and a half hours of sleep. Let's hear from Mark Coyle doing all that to get here. <laughs> all right. Sid has a question. Go ahead, Sid. You're on. What do you think uh, P.J. is done for the football program? You know, uh, Sid, you know, th- th- this will sound like a strange answer to that question about Coach Fleck and what he's done for the football program. Uh, you know, number one, he has brought a shot of energy to our entire department. You know, I, I tell people the story. Uh, when our softball team advanced the College World Series last year, the first one in the lobby to high-five the student-athletes is Coach Fleck. Uh, when our men's basketball team goes to the NCAA tournament, when our women's basketball team goes to the NCAA tournament, PJ is the first one to congratulate them and spend time with them. He's very visible inside our department. He's brought a lot of energy and excitement. Uh, you know, there is no doubt that uh, he has our program going in an upward trajectory, and we're just really excited to get the season started on Thursday night. The Big Ten, you know, they didn't get picked high in the in the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West is uh, going to be a dogfight. You don't realize, but there's there's kind of a case to be made for almost every team uh, in the Big Ten West. Do you like those two divisions and the fact that you can play towards a Big Ten championship game? That I, I guess it's been around for a while now, but it still feels new to all of us. Yeah, well, it feels new because we haven't been there, yeah. right? And we got to get there. You know, that's the goal. And, and I do like the two-divisional structure in the Big Ten, and there's no doubt the West is wide open this year. And, and we talk all the time. You know, we want Minnesota football and all of our athletic programs to be a tough out. And if you look in the football, like if you look at Northwestern, if you look at Nebraska, you look at Iowa, Purdue, those teams don't beat themselves. You know, and if you can have a program where you don't beat yourself, and P.J. talks about this all the time, if you can control the ball, do the things you're supposed to do, special things will happen. And there's no doubt, you know, we're excited about this year. It's going to be a tough schedule. we yeah. got great games at home. And if we can continue to grow and develop as we think we can, we should have a special year this well, year. Dave and I were talking about it. There's going to be a lot of fourth quarter games decided because just that, they're, they're fundamentalist teams. It's, it's Northwest. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota plays that brand. It's going to be some interesting fourth quarters. Hey, Mark, is there any discussion of further expanding the Big Ten schedule to play 10 uh, Big Ten teams? And talk about how far out you need to schedule. And a couple of the names, schools you've got scheduled out in the 20s. Yeah, well, you usually schedule five to seven years out for your non-conference schedule, and, and we have games against Colorado, BYU, Mississippi State, some of those programs. We're, we're trying to be very aggressive in our scheduling. And, and right now, you know, the Big Ten, we play nine conference games. Uh, the ACC plays nine. The SEC plays eight games, and it's something we do spend a lot of time talking about because the college football uh, playoff, when that was put together, they talked about the importance of a strength of schedule and conference champions. And the Big Ten has not been in the CFP the last three years, and it's something that we're paying attention to, and and obviously we're advocating for that nine-game schedule. Um, We have not talked about a ten-game schedule. Uh, I know there would be an appetite for that. I mean, personally, I like the more conference games. I think 
people get excited about that, and, and I think that might be something that you see down the road. But right now, we'll state the nine-game schedule. What do you think the new commissioner for the Big Ten, Kevin Warren? Yeah, you know, uh, Commissioner Warren, I, I feel very fortunate because when I was hired, Sid, back here at the University of Minnesota, Kevin was part of that search committee. Uh, so I had a chance to meet Kevin very early on when I got back here, and, and he and I would have an opportunity to go uh, have breakfast quite often and spend time with each other. Uh, I think uh, Commissioner Warren will do a wonderful job. You know, and I think we, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd missed something. We didn't recognize Commissioner Delaney and what he's done for the Big Ten Conference. You know, without a doubt, he's probably one of the most powerful people in college athletics. He's done just such a phenomenal job in how he's built this conference. And uh, absolutely confident that uh, Commissioner Warren will do a great job carrying us forward as we move forward in the future. What is it, you, what, you know, when you talk about the commissioner and the athletic director, what are conversations like? What, what would Mark Coyle be calling a commissioner about? What, what kind of a, a relationship do you, does an athletic director have with a commissioner? Please give us a CZ schedule in all home games. <laughs> and uh, good referees. Yeah, good referees. You know, uh, you know, a lot of times our conversations are on the well-being of our student-athletes. Uh, you know, that doesn't get reported in the media all the time, but there's been such an emphasis put on the, the student-athlete well-being in terms of nutrition, uh, sports psychology, strength and conditioning, athletic medicine. So we spend a lot of time talking about that. We spend a lot of time about compliance uh, and NCAA rules and making sure we're all operating the same way and doing things the right way. Uh, but what I really notice about the Big Ten since I've been back for three years now is that there, there's this baseline foundation that we're all going to cooperate with each other, but we're going to compete like heck against each other. And I really respect that. That's something Commissioner Delaney's put in place. In a healthy way. In a healthy way. So uh, we all make decisions that benefit the entire conference. And, and selfishly, sometimes a decision would help Minnesota, but we understand it might help the conference. And sometimes we have to swallow the pill. Sometimes Ohio State has to swallow the pill. But I think that makes the conference so strong. Mark, you've got a new boss. You've had a chance to meet Joan Gable a few times now. Your thoughts on, on the president and relationship with intercollegiate athletics? Yeah, well, well first off, uh, you know, it, it's been great getting to know President Gable. You know, she has a strong background. Uh, you know, she was a provost at South Carolina, so she was around SEC athletics down there. She worked at Florida State. She worked at the University of Missouri. So she's been around very big athletic programs. Uh, and my early impressions of her is that she's a strong, strong advocate for student-athletes. Uh, I think she'll do everything she can to help our program to continue to grow and develop and we're just very fortunate for her leadership and and i know president kaler you know i'd be remiss if i didn't recognize him and what he's done for our program and and there's no doubt president gable's going to come in and continue to build upon that and help us do the special things we want to do that's it where do you think the basketball program stands well, you know, on basketball, you know, uh, first off, uh, you know, Coach Patino, I'm, I'm very pleased with what he's done. You know, if, if you take a step back, uh, if you remember when I was hired, everybody asked me when I was going to get rid of Richard. Uh, and, and in the time we've been together, the three years, we've been to two semifinals in the Big Ten Conference uh, Tournament. We've been to two NCAA Tournament appearances. We had a great win over Louisville in the first round last year, and we continue to build. We had a good trip over to Italy and did a really nice job uh, over there, so I'm really excited about our men's basketball program. And on the women's side, you know, Coach Whalen, very thankful for what she did in year one. You know, if you remember, we hired her without ever coaching a game, and I think she came in and did a wonderful job. She was actually in Connecticut last night. She had her jersey retired by the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA, and she's got a good recruiting class coming in. So I, bo- I think both our men's and women's basketball programs are heading the right direction. You, you know, Miss Coffee, Murphy, and uh, the other players. 
Yeah, there, there's no doubt. You know, first off, uh, you know, Jordan Murphy, you know, what, what a great all-time gopher great, what he's done for our program. Uh, you know, he was such a great leader on the court, off the court. You know, and then with, with Amir Coffey, you know, what a, what a great young man. And we wish him nothing but the best with his, uh, his contract with the Clippers. And we'll be cheering him on. And, and there's no doubt that's a special player. And we're going to miss him. But we feel really good about the kids we have coming in that will help us step up and go in the right direction. Mark, some of it was based on proximity. But we kind of forgot what an NCAA tournament is like. I mean, they went to Milwaukee a few years ago, but they lost the first round. Going to Iowa this year. Minnesota traveled so well for that game. They beat Louisville, and then they played Michigan State. What did that do? To, it kind of, it, I kind of felt like it woke up Gopher basketball again because you forgot how close of attention people paid to it. They just hadn't been coming out like maybe they had in the past. But the, at, at Iowa, it felt like Gopher basketball again. Yeah, Mike, you're exactly right. There's no doubt that was a home game for us when we played Louisville. And, and obviously that game had a lot of meaning for Richard for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, Richard tells a story. His uh, brothers flew in from the East Coast, uh, flew into Des Moines that morning. They're going to the bars, and they're sending them videos of all the Gopher fans celebrating, you know, before the game even started. And then when you got in the arena, when our team came on the floor, when the band played the Rouser, that was uh, it, something. it caught everybody off guard. I know you were down there, and, and just a great win for our program. And, and, again, there's no doubt we need to continue to improve and do things in the Big Ten. And, and I'm confident, Richard, and we'll have more special memories like that as we move forward. Mark, we started things out with Lester Bagley. Lester talked about based on the success of the Super Bowl and the Final Four, their hats already in the ring for another Super Bowl. They're talking about NFL draft. You've got a chance being a lead university in a major metropolitan area to bring other events here. Can you talk about what might be on the horizon, both near and long term, that we might be hosting back here? Yeah, well, well first off, we have the uh, NCAA Division One Wrestling Championships will be at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Next year, we've already had record ticket sales. Uh, that will set a record. It will smash all the records for attendance, so we're excited about that. We have the Women's Final Four coming up in a few years. Uh, excited about that, and there's no doubt, I think the University of Minnesota, along with the city of Minneapolis and St. Paul, we hosted 20 NCAA or Big Ten championship events over a 20-month period. So we're very aggressive. Uh, when I was here before, from 2001 to 2005, we did that then. Uh, we have a, a strong history with the NCAA of doing events the right way. We're so grateful for our fans and the communities who come out and support those championships. So we'll continue to be aggressive and, and continue to get those championship events back with us. Can you see the Big Ten adding another shoe? Uh, do I see the Big Ten adding another school? You know, Sid, when that all happened a few years ago, that was all done around the TV contracts. And if you remember, all the conferences uh, were launching new TV networks. The ACC network just debuted last week, and that's what caused a lot of the shifting with, in terms of conference realignment. Right now, those contracts are on long-term deals, so I don't see anything happening in the near future. But, you know, who knows what the future predicts for us. But right now, I don't see any expansion happening right now. Mark Darrell, it's always a pleasure to have you on the air. And for being on the air, we'll get you a certificate to the best psych house in town, Murray. And I won't let people know there's a lot of good seats for the football game this Thursday. Thursday night, 8 o'clock, you can buy the best tickets in the business. You get home and get some sleep, football game. You get home and get some sleep. South Dakota is no pushover. Yeah, they're, they're ranked number three right now in, in the FBS, so that'll be a really tough game for us. And, again, there's no doubt when fans are in our venues, it just helps with the entire vibe. So we really encourage you to come out. We've got a great young football program that's working hard to make all of you proud. All right, that's 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Tickets available. Let's let Mark go home and get some sleep. Mark Coyle, thanks so much for joining us. 
We're live at the Minnesota State Fair. We've got another 40 minutes to go, and we will be back out here in about three minutes from right now. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, Mike, we are back. We've got a couple minutes to talk. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about, nice to see the Twins announce a schedule that has them opening somewhere other than <laughs> In here. Oakland, yeah, uh, I mean, next boy, year. How many years have people talked about that? Now it's March 26th in Oakland. I mean, that, that's a... Uh, um, they, they just keep getting earlier and earlier, and they used to not conflict with. Now they're right during uh, the heart of the NCAA basketball tournament. For I mean, for sports junkies, uh, but it's just crazy. But but you can't you can't open in Minnesota continuously in March. I mean, you, you got to figure that out. Not with all the computers they've got that can figure yeah. that out. When back in the days when I was covering the Twins for his newspaper, the Tribune, he didn't own it. He thought he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oakland was one of the coldest places in Major League Baseball to play. So I'm not sure the Twins got a huge break yeah. opening in March in, in Oakland. Sid, we're talking about Major League Baseball finally changing the schedule so the Twins don't open at home with snow on the field. Opening at home? Yeah, they're not opening at oh, home. Oh, not opening at home next good, year. Good move. They're opening in Oakland. Yes. They finally got wiser to themselves. It makes no sense. Uh, they probably did it to the whole league. They probably flipped the whole league, warm cities and, and cold cities, got them straightened out. As, as best they could. It's not yeah. It's not perfect, but it just made so much sense. But you talk to Dave St. Peter, and they'll say, hey, look, it, not all these teams that are, that are warm weathers want to open at home either. They, they've got their own right. schedule of events and the way they want to go about their business. Uh, there's no no question about another uh, couple of things going on with the Twins. Uh, I think that uh, Sid seems a little unduly concerned about them. You know, the fact that they do finish the season against three of the weakest teams in all of Major League Baseball. Sure, the White Sox, I think, are a little bit better. I don't think Detroit's got the the team to, to keep it up against the, the Twins. But I think the Twins' schedule, especially now with what's happened with Cleveland, I think the Twins are still a good bet oh, to, win, yeah. to win the division. Right, go ahead, Sid. Go ahead. I I want to go back to talk about the t- twin fishing. I, I thought you would. I have never heard, <laughs> seen a, a twin team with worse starting fishing. Yes, you have. Oh, they come have. on. There's 25 how, how of them old, have well, worse starting. You're not starting. that old, but for those of us that can remember, there were some off years. Well, this, uh, they got to do something about the fishing. They got that one kid throwing 100 miles an hour. Maybe they ought to bring him up. You know, it's interesting, and David said that the other day, because this is a really tough lineup to pitch to the Twins. And this Giolito, when he had three pitches working the other day, it didn't matter if he was facing the 27 Yanks or the 2019 Twins. It really reminded you that, that really good pitching always beats good hitting. Yeah, and that was great pitching. Uh, that yep. wasn't 97, 98, 99. Nope. That was spotting the ball, changing the pitching. I gave this catcher a lot of credit. Twins hitters looked off balance. That hasn't happened much this year. Okay, so for you two, let's just, aside from the injuries in the last two months, give me a better stretch. Maybe Rod Grew in 77 than what Nelson Cruz gave us the last couple months? Sid, uh, my question is a good one. Uh, you've covered Twins baseball since 1961. Who's had a much better stretch of hitting than Nelson Cruz had over that six-week period? He was as good as anybody in Twins history for that, those six weeks. I don't understand that. Nelson Cruz is hitting? Yeah. We're just saying, who does it compare with? I don't know about that. Okay, I'll, I'll answer the question, Mike. Uh, Carew, 
uh, I think was comparable uh, during a period of time. Really nobody in the 60s with the exception of Oliva. And I'm trying to remember, you know, Tony's was so consistent from, from the gate to the end of the deserted period. T- Jim Tomey probably had a four-week stretch where he did something like that. But Nelson Cruz is such an interesting story. And you look at the stats and say, how come this guy's not among the top 100 home run hitters? And I mean, up until 26 years old, the guy barely played in the major league. Yeah. Now he's 39, and he's one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Yeah, and I mean, and Puckett, he went on, you know, unbelievable tears. But the home runs that he hit and the meaningful at-bats that he had, uh, not that he's done with it, but, boy, I just, you know, and he was interrupted by that, the injury and the, and the ruptured tendon, and he came back and he was better than he was before he got injured. And you mentioned Buxton, and I think the strategy on Buxton, we try to, to make it to the first of the month when they can expand the rosters. Uh, you know, there are certain guys, uh, Scope has already disappeared from the starting lineup. I think he started three of the last 21 games or something like that. Uh, I think the next uh, victim of that, I think they've got to try to keep Caves bad in the lineup. Uh, you're certainly not going to DH him because as long as he's healthy, Nelson Cruz owns that. I think Crone has got to pick it up, or they're going to find maybe Sano at first and find ways to get other bats in the lineup. And you got to get Puckett back in there. Puckett, you got to get Buxton back in there. I think that happens right about on September 1st. Yeah, I think that's their target date. Uh, he was in there talking to Rocco the other day when I was there. He looks great. Uh, they, it's just a shoulder injury, and they don't know when they can turn him loose. But last year, he uh, he, he kind of lobbied himself when he got injured. He lobbied them not to send him down and go through an assignment, and it really backfired. Yeah. He, 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 he just struggled. He went out to California. He struggled. He never got good. And I think this year, maybe that's the debate is, you're going down there, and you're going to be down there for, until we tell you to come up, but we're going to make sure you're ready. We need to take a break here. Manny Lagos is coming Manny, up next. Manny Lagos is here. We'll talk loon soccer. We'll do that right after this. We are live at the Minnesota State Fair. You're listening to Sports Auto with Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back here live at the Minnesota State Fair. Once again, I want to thank Patio Town Furniture for this great deck furniture we have out here. Mike, we got a special guest with a, uh, a topic in a sport that is increasingly popular here in our backyard. You want to introduce our guest? Yeah, Manny Lagos, general manager of the Minnesota United Loons. Let's hear for Manny. This has been a year of, it's not that you haven't been in business for a while, but this is the year to a lot of people, it's the first year of Minnesota United Soccer in some respects because they see the stadium. It continues to, to kind of penetrate. You've had success. Lots of things have happened this year, Manny. What's been the most significant 2019 uh, for your for your organization? I, I, I think... Um... I want to say a lot of things, but let's just be honest. The stadium is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's a work of art. It's iconic. I, I think it sets a tone for the entire country of what I think new soccer stadiums are going to be built like and how they're going to be approached. And I, I think the the area where the stadium is, midway between St. Paul and Minneapolis, uh, a great spot, centrally located, right off the light rail. So you have all these things that have been growing in the Twin Cities. Next thing you know, you, you've got this amazing soccer stadium hitting a demographic that loves to go to games. and it just has resonated. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. And I, I think as Minnesotans, sometimes we, we we don't always wish for the best. And, and now we have uh, all these iconic stadiums for our, our great sports Boy, franchises. Yeah. Change that license plate, land a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> how do you account for the first start you guys had? And then all of a sudden, now you're going to make the playoff, maybe. Well, I, I think a couple of things. The, grow, the soccer is growing at, at a fast pace in the MLS, the league, and there's a lot of money being invested in the teams, and I can kind of get to how you do build the roster. But what I try to tell people, the, the coolest story about the Minnesota United is the ownership group 
is all local. These are all people that are looking at soccer. They're looking at the growth of the game, and they think that this sport will only enhance the Twin Cities on a global level. It'll only put us on the map. For example, Allianz Field, there's only seven stadiums like that in the world. Sao Paulo, Rapid Vienna, uh, Bayern Munich. So now the Twin Cities are associated with those great global global countries. And I think what the ownership group did is they said, we are going to pay for the stadium, which was about $280 million, and we're going to pay another $100 million to get MLS. So when we had to do our roster build, Sid, here, we had to think not only about being ready to run from year one, but the amount of revenue to generate $380 million plus to build the team on the field. And uh, we really said, hey, we have to play slow play this. We can't just take another 10, 20, 30 million and put it in a roster like some of the teams in MLS are doing right away. We really tried to make sure we, we built the team each year a little bit more core and a little bit higher level player. And then hopefully we'll be at the point where this year where we had a lot of cap room, we had a lot of roster space, and we had the ability to kind of go after players that we thought would want to come to this new stadium and want to play in MLS. And so far it's worked out really well. Manny, talk a little more about Allianz. Uh, you've, you've had some friendlies. You've had uh, teams in from around the world. How does that work? Are people calling you as the reputation of, of the of field uh, gets known? The women's uh, team coming here, they, they had a lot of choices of places they could go. Is that because the field is creating so much attention globally that it's, it's creating these opportunities? It, it sure is. I, I would say specifically our national team. I, I think when, when Dr. McGuire specifically decided on the design of the stadium, he, he said this has to be something of a destination we have to get not just you know our minnesotans going to watch us play but we want the national team to try to come here to be come here a lot and we've already hosted the the men's national team in an amazing event they actually trained at our training facility they want to come back now and they only want to come back not just for friendlies but maybe for these big qualifying games where you know it's in november it's cold and we're playing against teams from the south of the border who aren't used to the cold we want to make it a home field um and then the second thing is yeah we have the u.s women's national team after they win the historic World Cup, they have a tour. The first place they wanted to come to and talk about was the best stadium in the country in Allianz Field. So there's no doubt. Uh, I think the stadium in mind was built to, to recruit and attract not only talent for our team in Minnesota United, but for uh, these great events. Manny, the, uh, you play in a cup game on Tuesday. Now, we're all kind of coming to terms <laughs> with all these, because we're so used to all these other sports teams. You, you, you have your schedule set. Well, in these cup games, you don't. You have to win and move on. So you've got a game that you never knew would be on the schedule, championship game on Tuesday. Explain how this works. So I'd say it's a huge special part of this season. You know, we had the stadium opening. We had, said just talked about the first two years. We weren't that cl- too close to the playoff line, and the team was building. And this year, whether it's the, on the field, uh, it's hit well. The product's been great. The fans have been unbelievable. The experience in the stadium, I think we just got named the best stadium experience for MLS uh, for the year. And we have this tournament. It's called the U.S. Open Cup. And it's outside of our league play. And it's one of the coolest tournaments ever because anybody can enter. You get 11 guys and you can enter. That's how it works? Oh, yeah. Amateurs enter at the beginning of the year. Actually, about a two-year process to do it. But the only rule is you lose and you're out. And it's a big tournament all over the world within your country. And you start playing in January. And it's usually just amateur teams. And the pro teams come in in the spring. And then our MLS teams come in late spring. And then you got to win and you're out. I mean, winning, you move on, and, and losing, you're out. And we've had a great run. We've had some great games. We've uh, played really well. And the irony is we, on Tuesday, our final is against Atlanta United, the other team that came into MLS yeah, with us. Yeah, same time. And they went the opposite route, Sid. They spent $20, 30000000 yeah, $40 million dollars on their roster. They are a great story. I, I'm very proud of that. They're very different than us. They're playing in the uh, Atlanta Falcons Stadium. They're getting about 70000 a game. It's, it's a great atmosphere there, but it's indoor. 
it's on turf. So this Tuesday, uh, we've had a great run where we now, with our MLS iteration, not our past iterations of, of uh, United, we are we're playing for our first championship ah. in MLS. So it's pretty cool. All right, that's Manny Lago speaking. We've got more questions from Manny. Need to take our final break of the three hours. We'll be back right after this. Live from the Minnesota State Fair, you're listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Well, to the strains of Frank Sinatra, we are ready for our final segment here. Mike, how about a little tease for next week? We have a special guest. Week on the porch, we're going to have Governor Tim Walls on with us, 10 a.m. right here. With Dave and Sid and I, we'll be talking about all things sports-related and maybe beyond. You know how Sid likes to get this time of year with the elections coming up. Uh, but, yeah, he'll be on with us uh, next week at uh, 10 a.m. if you're out here. So it should be fun. Mike, uh, you know, we're... just he is the governor. If he was going to be on today, I was going to ask him if it was perhaps time for a Kyle Slaughter Day uh, in, in Minnesota. <laughs> maybe a little bit premature, but uh, I, I'm not well, sure Mike Zimmer would be in favor of that. Yeah, he, he took it. Uh, you know, the one thing people always forget is Zimmer reminds us, that wasn't against the first teamer. Uh, Sid, Sid had a question for Manny. Sid, go ahead. Do you think the loon will make soccer very popular to a point that local kids will be playing with the loon? So I think it's a great question, Sid. We have this amazing youth soccer market here um, that has great experiences for young kids. It hasn't quite evolved into these kids developing into pros so i think a huge goal of minnesota united is to think about how we can invest in the community from a development standpoint and have more and more players come from this market now not only do i think of that for selfish reasons because uh, i think it's important for the community but i also know that financially as we grow and we compete against teams in mls and around the world we have to somehow get this great talent from our market and, and and wrap them up at a young ages so uh, we're not necessarily going out and buying the talent in the global market, but we're producing it from here. We, we've got a couple great young kids right now uh, on the team from Minnesota, so we have a little bit of a legacy, but we've got a, long work to, a lot of work to do now. And I, I really hope that there's a lot of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds that are getting this experience at Allianz Field, and they're going to dream. And with that dream, hopefully they'll work hard, they'll practice, and uh, hopefully in 5, 10 years uh, we have a percentage of players from Minnesota on that field that would be a huge benefit both to the community and, and frankly, to uh, the budget we're trying to create to, to be competitive. The missing link is, unfortunately, there's no Division One soccer in Minnesota, and, and there won't be any time soon for boys' soccer, so you can only aspire, as you did, to play somewhere else. And, and that is a tough link because that's where that dream usually starts. You signed a guy, though, 19 years old the other day, Tomas, Tomas, Tomas Chacon. Where do you find him? How do you get him? How do you decide to invest in him? Well, it was exciting roster build iteration for the club because we've certainly gone out over the co- these last couple of years and have developed talent. We've drafted through the college draft. And in soccer, you have to really sign players globally. So we've had a great data analytics department, a great scouting department over the last two years that have really gone out into the global market. Um, and we have this a really good age of players between 25 and 30. We have two great college draft picks right now that are making a big impression on the field. One, his name is Sonny Dotson. The other one is Chase Gaspar. So we're excited about our 22 to 24. But the, the one area in, in, in soccer, really, is this 18 to 21. You talk about college kids. Or you can have them go pro at 18 and say, hey, we want to invest in you for a while. So the club uh, you know, has been working on trying to find the right type of 18-year-old that we think will make an impression. There's this young man from Uruguay. He is not very tall, about 5'7". Uh, really fast, quick, but tough, and somebody who we think right now at 18 just turned 19. Uh, the club has invested a couple million dollars in purchasing his rights, 
and we have them for five years to kind of have another iteration of where we think this roster is going to go to get better in the future. Manny, we appreciate it very much. Let's cheer for Manny Lagos. Thank you very much. Have fun. We'll talk soon. All right, sir. All right, Manny, thanks so much. We've got about uh, three, four minutes here. Uh, the three of us will wrap things up. Manny, thanks as always. Good job. Appreciate it. All right, Sid, three, four minutes here. Gopher football. How many games does the Gopher football team win this year in your mind? I think they'll win a, a lot more than the experts say that. I can't understand that. The way they finished last year, uh, I just think they'll win, uh, I don't know, seven, eight games. All right. Mike, uh, your thoughts on go for football? I think they win 10. I think they win 10. I think they'll, win the, they'll run the table in the non-conference, and they'll win six, six and two. Uh, they're going to win close games. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they'll go 10 and two. Well, they're p- picking them for six in the, in the league. Who, but you got to look at who's picking them, the media. Yeah. I mean, really. I think they Well, you know, we better. had Glenn Mason on two weeks ago, and he, he, he spelled it out really. And, and David, you and I were talking about it. Yeah. You can make a case for every team but Illinois in the Big Ten West. Absolutely. Northwestern won it last year by three games. I mean, you can make a case for a legitimate case for every team in the Big Ten West. And the Gophers have a, a schedule that they have not had for years and they will not have for years again. They don't get the toughest teams in the Big Ten. If they're going to have a breakthrough year, this is it. And I think Coach Fleck is delighted at those low expectations set by the national writers. On Thursday night, they're playing a team. People are hyping that team. Rated third in their division last year. It's a real step up for them to come in and play well against Minnesota. However, the history of those teams coming in against the Gophers is those Dakota teams have done very, very well against Gophers North in the Dakota past. North Dakota won two out of three. South Dakota beat them, and South Dakota State almost beat them. They're three and two against the Gophers since uh, in the last yep. ten years. Sid? they got a great schedule. Don't play Michigan. Don't play Michigan State. Don't play Ohio State. Dave, you should have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. End of the season. Well, we got about three and a half more oh, minutes. Go ahead. End of the season. Twins. Win it, and if so, by how much? Twins win it by four games. Uh, that's a prediction. I don't know that. You know, I, I just think now, – now, Detroit surprised me a little bit, but I just think you cannot – if you get to the 15th of September and you've got the lead, you, 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 there's just no excuse because what you got left on your schedule after you get through Cleveland and Boston, you're home free. All right, we've still got a good crowd out here. I'm going to ask you a question. There's only two things you can react to. I want to hear first how many people think the Twins are going to win their division. Then I'm going to ask how many think, people think they do not. The only way the people at home can tell is by the amount of noise you make. How many people think the Twins will win their division? <laughs> Pretty impressive. All right, how many people think the Twins will not win their division? Sid, knock that wow. off. Wow. <laughs> All right, did you hear that? You want my mic too? What? I'll give you the sheet when I read the names. That's why I need it. No, I'll give it to you when I read the names. You, you people, this is <laughs> this, this is, is what goes on in the you gotta see all in the, the studio time. every week when we don't have an audience. I we have to, to be nice to. I need to. to thank these people. Then I'll give it back to you. This is yeah, routine. I was gonna mention one more thing that we didn't talk about. The Minnesota Wild got a new general manager this week. Yeah, and, how about and, that, and, uh, Darren? Right from the top, 
right off the top, it looked like Garen might be the favorite. Brian Lawton had a good chance, had a very good interview with him. Uh, Garen is supposed to be a guy that's got good people skills, that understands the game. And uh, I understand that Craig Leopold really went to great lengths in the interview process this time. Well, good. I think they yeah. got this one right. Uh, obviously, they were not pleased with the outcome of their last big decision. We'll try to get a guest from the Wild on out here next week. We're back out here. Now, next week, we're off at 11 o'clock because of the Twins game, right, Mike? Twins yep. are in Detroit. So Twins, that's our Twins programming. Yeah. We'll start at 11.05. little unusual for us at the fair, especially after today getting the opportunity, the rare opportunity, a lot of fun to go three hours from out here. Three hours is going to be the standard sports huddle going forward uh, from now on. So we'll be a noon to a, three, a nine to noon pro program uh, once uh, once the fair is over so getting that extra half hour and really looking forward to it Sid Vikings Vikings win the Sid Vikings do they win the division do the Vikings win their division I don't know okay I don't (laughs) it's going on a limb there I don't either Mike I I think the Vikings win the division going 11 and 5 I don't think the Bears can sustain it and I I don't think Detroit and Green Bay are good enough all right I want to thank our first of all I want to well, you can talk to Sid as soon as I sign off. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we've got some things we need to you do you got to give him a cookie, though, or he won't talk right, to you. Yeah, I'd keep one of those cookies as a bribe. All right, I want to thank our guests. They will do this quickly. I want to thank you guys. we got people who are here at 9 o'clock. Thank you so much. We've had a great crowd. Also, Lester Bagley, Tim Cheetah, P.J. Fleck, Bernie Kukar, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. What a crowd we had for those guys. Jake Cave, Mark Coyle, and Manny Lagas. Thanks again for all of you at home. Listen, everybody here live at the fair will do it again next week. Sports Huddle from the Fair, Dave, Sid, and Mike. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.